This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Dalton Del Don, who took a week off, not because he's a lazy sack, but actually had some uh, serious personal tragedy in his family. So uh, really sorry to hear that, Dalton, and uh, glad to have you back. How you doing? Oh, I've been better considering um, it's been pretty rough, but uh, it gets better by the day. And yeah, it, it sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. But um, thanks to Andre Snellings for filling in for me last week. I listened. He did a great job as usual. And um yeah, I'm just happy to be back in the pod with you, and uh, let's talk a little sports. Um, actually, I knew I know that last week he uh, it was all basketball, but there are just a couple things I want to throw at you before we we get to uh, a couple other things I I wanted to talk about. Is that cool? Yeah, it's cool. And I'll just say, like, normally I am extremely uh, dismissive and rude and douchey toward Dalton. I will give him I'll only be like 25 percent of that this week, and then next week it'll be back to normal. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get in the details, but it, it's pretty bad. Um, but anyway, um, I, uh, I actually, speaking of not bad, I actually went to game five. And since we've last talked, you know, I always like to brag about my Warriors. And that was pretty sick to watch in person, the confetti falling on me after being at game seven last year. Um, and by the way, Baron sent me his uh, his money he owes me right away, but you uh, conspicuously uh, <laughs> still PayPal is, is not uh, shown up. And man, that ticket wasn't cheap, Liss. I, I need I need all the help I can all get. Right, I'll send you the hundred. I'll send it to you after this thing. I actually have my PayPal filled. I just I was thinking about other things, but that's fine. I will uh, I will send you the money. You should have been thinking about me, Barons. I was thinking friend. about you, but in a different capacity than uh, the money I owed you. But I I get it. I get it. I I, I see what you're about. Just had to give you a hard time. Um. And uh, I know this will certainly have already have happened by the time this is posted, and you'll be asleep. But uh, do you care at all about the NBA draft? It's about ready to start in about an hour and a half, my time. No, uh, I mean I care about it. You know, once it's you know once we see who's who and what's going on on the teams. But it's kind of like the NFL draft. Like I don't really follow college sports at all. So you know, if it's Lavar Ball on the Celtics or Lakers or whatever, like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me, right? Like I don't know who these guys are until I start looking more at the season. And actually, I don't even do that much. I, we did do, we did take tie for second in the NFBKC, and I sent you whatever yeah. meager cut that uh, that entitled us to. But, um, you know, it's I, I don't really do much fantasy hoops, but, I, you know, once once it shakes out and, I'm, and you start to see, oh, look, look how loaded the Sixers are, look how loaded 
you know, this team is. It's, it starts to become interesting to me. Yeah, I thought I didn't follow college hoops, but you referred to him as LeVar Ball. It's Lonzo Ball, I believe. Uh, Lonzo I guess Ball. <laughs> his dad is on a lot of people. Yeah, obviously he's out there. I think that's his name. But um, yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of with you. I don't watch it uh, very closely until like the tournament. But the thing is, there might be some like crazy trades. Like there actually might be legitimate stuff going down already. The Dwight Howard trade, not that he's relevant anymore, but the Lakers trade and the Celtics. So that could be kind of interesting. But for the most part, I am with you. Um, also, you're you're you still care about the Knicks because this Phil Jackson is like it's it's hilarious. I don't it's give a shit. I don't give a shit at all. Like Porzingis, I mean, I I know they're talking about trading Porzingis. It's not like baseball where Trout could be traded for three or four great prospects because an NBA prospect, other than a no brainer, a number one overall sort of no brainer pick, is very iffy. You can't just you know you can't just trade for a couple of those guys and trade in a guy who looks like he's on the way to being a superstar. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's it's just absurd what he's done after, since taking over. It's really, it's kind of bizarre. I I've had discussions before with people who who say that he's the most overrated coach in sports because he's treated as the best, but he's just look at his rosters. I mean, I get it that the Bulls didn't win until he joined, but I mean that was Jordan coming into his prime. I mean, his rosters were always just absolutely the best in the you, league. You think he's the Joe Torre of the NBA? I mean, it really, and especially after we've seen his, what he thinks of personnel, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, maybe given the Zen Master books and all that, and I'm underrating that aspect, but I mean, and, and I guess back in the day, the triangle was different, but it's it's not that crazy of a notion, and I feel like most people would think it was. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with nine titles, but yeah, when you have Kobe and Shaq at their peak, and you have Jordan and Pippen, I mean, coaching's very important in the NBA, but... There is a point at which Eric Spolstra, you know, can win some titles. It's not like you don't have to be a genius if, you, if your team is that good. I don't really know. I used to think he was a good coach. Again, I don't really follow it that much right now. The Knicks, I mean, it's kind of rotten from the top, you know. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is I had a debate about Dolan um, with a guy, uh, and I was at the FSTA in New York this weekend, and there was an NBA guy, a guy who works, uh, he's an executive, I guess, for the NBA, and we, we were all talking, we had some drinks, and he was saying, you know, Dolan gets a bad rap. And he's like, what has he really done that's that terrible except be loyal to Isaiah Thomas, like way beyond? I was like, well, Layden did a horrible job. They haven't won in so many years. He's like, he's like alienated Oakley. Like they hate, the fans hate him. You know, the Knicks have been awful. He's like, yeah, but, you know, besides the, the Thomas thing, it's like the GM is the guy signing and adding and subtracting players. It's not the owner. And, you know, Layden had, had done good work in the past. And so it was really just Isaiah. But I'm like, this guy's stupid, he's a dick, he's reviled, Knicks have had no success, he's stuck by Isaiah Thomas, who signed some of the worst veterans every single year where they never really rebuilt, and I, don't, I mean, I guess like he's not a criminal, you know, or maybe he is a criminal, and we just don't know. That's a really low bar, like, he was trying to say yeah. he's not, not Jeffrey Loria, like, building up these teams and selling them off, and you know, or guys like moving stadiums, he's like, he invests in the, in the product, he invests in the franchise, in the arena, he does, he puts his money in but man, to me, it's a hard sell. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear you. Um, what, what if I argued that uh, I guarantee you of those nine titles, not one series uh, where they, it was Phil Jackson coach team, an underdog. I guess you could flip that and say partially that was because right. of his coaching is why they were favored. So, I, I mean, I guess there's an, an unanswerable question, but his second, uh, you know, his second part after coaching certainly does him no favors but maybe those are two different skill sets uh also um one last basketball thing i want to throw at you 
um, of course, when making about my Warriors. But do you have an opinion about uh, if they declined? To, it, it, first of all, they haven't even given a, a, an invitation for the White House. And Steve Kerr, who's been adamantly against Trump, recently just kind of came out and said he thinks they should go, but it's up to the players. Do, do you have an opinion? Does it matter? I mean, what do you think? I, I think that I have no problem with teams declining to go to the White House. Why should they go? You know, if they don't. Uh, believe the president represents them. They don't like what he stands for. They don't like the policies he ran on. Why should they go? I think that, you know, that we have sort of papered over the atrocities of, you know, well, I, it wasn't even papered over at the time, but somehow nobody minded going to the Bush White House. He destroyed a whole country, you know. There are a million people dead because of the Iraq War. Think about how monstrous that is. And people that go to the White House, get their picture with George Bush. I mean, it's just... They didn't care about that, so it's a little odd that uh, our society is very strange, uh, yeah. the way it works. I, again, I I don't I don't fault them for not wanting to be with Trump. He was uh, definitely playing with fire with some of the rhetoric he was saying that you have NBA, which is mostly black, and the way he sort of spoke about immigrants and minorities. I could I could see it, but not like you know there was an untold misery being wreaked by the last couple of administrations too, and no one had any problem going there. Yeah, I, I understand. I think the argument uh, to your uh, if, if they specifically disagree with that president is that they people say, well, it's a, it's the institution that, you, you know, you should you should just go there no matter who's fuck the institution leader. OK. All right. That's that's seriously. That's fuck it. it. You know what I mean? Like the, the whole institution of president, you know, I mean, it's been kind of damaged the last 40 years. I mean, Clinton's getting a blowjob in the White House with his wife in the next room. It's like. The institution, you know, he doesn't give a fuck about the institution. You know what I mean? Like, if he gave a fuck about the institution, he would just hold off until after he got out of office, right? I mean, if you're invading on a country on a false pretense and committing massive amounts of, you know, lives and money and and misery, like, oh, but but somehow the basketball players are supposed to respect the institution. Fuck that. All right, let's move to some lighter. Lighter stuff. Uh, tell me how how is the trip oh, that's, to the that is the light stuff. I thought for this podcast. Oh that, yeah, no, I can't go too dark today. I can't do it. How was the uh, FSTA? It was good. Uh, the first night I got so rocked to like you know four in the morning. I was like getting food by myself somewhere. I finally found a place to eat. Um, but it was you know it's a Monday night. It's hard to find even you know even in New York at four thirty or whatever on Monday. It's hard to find food. I did get some. So hungover the next day. Did the show in the morning. Whatever. Um, and the second night was kind of fun. You know, I liked seeing a lot of the guys, but I was just so beaten down that I left at midnight because I just couldn't, I had about five gin, gin and sodas in me at midnight. And I said, you know what? I can't, I can't relive yesterday, you know, this, the morning's fiasco. So I went and got some food by myself, went home, woke up, felt like a million bucks. And you, and you flew back. I flew back last, you know, the night of Wednesday night. And then I just got in Thursday morning here you know, sort of a red eye, so to speak. And I've just been sort of out of it, you know, just on the plane. I slept a little bit, I think. A brother may or may not have given me some um, some sleep aids that are, you know, pharmaceutical grade. And, you know, one minute you're <laughs> watching a shitty movie on the plane, the next thing you know, you're sort of in and out of consciousness and then you're an hour away from landing. How long is that flight? Uh, the way back is like seven hours. We were delayed a couple hours, so we got in late. But um, yeah, seven hours. It's like seven and a half, eight on the way in. Whenever you go west, it's a little slower, as you know, from traveling cross country. And then when you go east, it's a little bit faster. 
Uh, how did you like your? Uh, of course, you, you said you're going to say you crushed it, but you, you guys actually do a draft there, right? A, a football draft? Yeah, we did the FSTA draft, full PPR. It's, you know, it's kind of like NFBC scoring um, with you know two running backs, three receivers, and a flex, full PPR. And you know, I, I think my team's good. I, you know, I, I just it's funny because I just don't. I love it this time of year where I don't really know what everyone else is thinking. I don't know the ADP. I'm not looking at like the fantasy pros stuff. I don't want to know the averages. I'm not really looking at NFBC's ADPs. I'm just picking the guys I like. And it's impossible not to know by August where you, you know, everyone knows where everybody slots. So I picked ninth. And I, I thought, you know, the, the obvious pick that made sense was A.J. Green because a three receiver and a flex PPR. And I, I think it's a perfectly good pick at nine, A.J. Green. But I just said, fucking, I took Jay Ajayi. It's just the dude I wanted to have. So I, everyone was kind of aghast that I took Ajayi at nine. But I don't care. You know, if it were like 12th, everyone would have been like, oh, solid pick. And what's the difference? Oh, they considered that. They the room considered that early? Yeah, they considered a bit of a reach, but um oh, totally on board with it. I'm fine. I like it. I, I, I like it. And uh and then Amari Cooper round two. Yeah, that was a and, safe pick in my opinion. I think he's yeah. peak, you know, at his peak in year three or four, whatever he is, stable situation with the QB. I don't I hate Derek Carr, but it's stable. And uh and the guy's good, so that's fine. Round three, I got Christian McCaffrey, which uh, that's just kind of fun guy to pick, and you know Jonathan Stewart is to me that's that dude. I'm surprised. He, I thought like three years ago he'd be out of the league. You know the fact that in 2017 that guy's still in the league. I think it's. Yeah. Uh, I think McCaffrey's going to get like 140 carries and 50, 60 catches. Yeah, Cam Newton's uh, historically not thrown to his running backs at all, but you got to think they drafted him and they'll change their system up a little. I mean, if they don't utilize that skill set, they might even line him up in the slot. So. Well, this, that... Go ahead. It, this is not a guy they drafted in the third round, and there's been a hype about no, it. This I, is the guy they drafted with, like, what, like the seventh pick or something like that? I mean, it's you don't draft a guy at that pick with a franchise quarterback on your team and expect him to help out three years from now. I mean, he's got to help out now. And, yeah, I think he'll play in the slot. I think he'll get carries. Stewart can't carry a huge load. And Stewart actually, like, three years ago, caught, like, 45 passes. There was one year they threw to him. So I don't think it's a Cam won't do it. It's just that he didn't really have the personnel to do it. It was like Fozzie Whitaker and Mike Tolbert were coming right. out third down. I mean, now they have a real weapon. You know, a lot of times I think people make the mistake of analyzing a situation by saying, well, they don't do this very often. It's like, well, yeah, but look at the players on their team. <laughs> you know, it's, there may be a good reason they don't do that. Yeah, that's a fair point. Three, three picks later, Eddie Lacy went, and I don't know if you've seen it, but news broke today that basically – they're saying that that could be an even timeshare with Thomas Rawls. So I don't know what to make of that. But, um, uh, I, I mean, you can't get over this guy, but I'm actually kind of on board. But Devontae Parker in the fourth? Yeah, you know, so you'll see a theme in my uh, team is that I basically stack Dolphins. Makes a lot more sense than, like, the NFBC where there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of teams. <laughs> so, like, the stack, if it hits, like, it pays off big. Whereas in a, you know, one one team, one league with 14 teams, you don't, stacking usually is kind of dumb but i just think adam gase might be the real deal like he was the architect behind those peyton manning broncos teams that went crazy uh he did a good job in chicago for the year that he was there and now he's in miami and ryan Tannehill under gase got 7.7 ypa the interesting thing about gase is when uh parker came in last year training camp and he like had nagging ankle and hamstring injuries instead of gase being like yeah he's working through some injuries he was like blaming him he was like this guy He's not putting in the work. He's not in the right condition. That's why he's got these injuries. It's like Demarius Thomas when he came in the league. And he was pissed, and they actually like benched Parker for the first game last year. And that was after he had 
four big games in a row at the end of his rookie year with a different coach. And this offseason, all he's been doing is saying Parker's going to be a monster. So to me, that that's legit. You know, they, you wouldn't say that. Gase doesn't seem like the guy who's going to bullshit because he called him out last summer. Yeah, that is an interesting strategy. You went Ajayi, uh, Parker, Ryan Tannehill, and Julius Thomas. Am I missing anyone? Tannehill, Thomas, Ajayi, Parker. Yeah, that that's it. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of quarterbacks, actually, we did talk briefly about this draft uh, in my in the podcast with Andy Barons this morning, and uh, we we were, we were kind of hyping uh, Marcus Mariota. I mean, addition of Eric Decker, I think he got seven point seven YPA's first two years in the league. He could run more. Uh, obviously, you get better your third year in the league. I know he's coming off a broken leg, but I think I have him ranked six among my fantasy QBs. I mean, they drafted Corey Davis. Uh, even Richard Matthews is kind of good. So sadly, I have to compliment this pick because I, I think quarterback's obviously super deep, but there are guys like Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, all went ahead of him where you got him. What do, I mean, where do you have Mario ranked in your, in your QB uh, list? Yeah, I could pull it up. I mean, all those guys are kind of the same to me, and it was just sort of that time as 14-team league. QB started going off the board. He was one of the guys that was in that group, one of the last guys that was left. So I took him. You know, the Decker thing cracks me up. People are like, oh, Decker, that's that's a game changer. Decker is so no. mediocre, it cracks me up. Everyone's like, there's all these Decker truthers, but it's like Decker is 30 years old. <laughs> like, he's a long way removed from his peak. He had 7.8 YPA that year where he went crazy with the Jets, where Marshall was way better, both totals and a per-play basis. He was 7.8 YPA. He's never had 8.8. Y- What's that? He had Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing down. Yeah, but... Fitzpatrick had a good year that year, and Marshall was even better. And Decker was just yeah. like the only – Decker led the NFL in red zone targets that year. That's why he scored the touchdowns. Right. He just – you know, he had, he had some good years with Manning, and then after he was on one of the greatest offenses of all time, he had the one year where it was just him and Marshall were the only guys getting any targets, and they threw in the red zone every single time. They had, like, no rushing touchdowns. So that was just a weird situation. He's fine, but you know, I don't think it moves the needle. I think Corey Davis is the guy that might move the needle, actually. Yeah, well, they also have Delaney Walker, um, and, they, and they do like to run the ball, and don't get me wrong, I think I have Decker ranked as like my 39th wide receiver or something. I don't, I don't think he's, it's interesting that you say some people are going nuts about it, but another addition is nice. I mean, more depth, and, and maybe he works well with a, a speedster like Corey Davis. So, anyway, I'm big on, on Mariota, and I like where you got him. That's just, that is my main takeaway. Yeah. What, uh, do, you have, do you have any other uh, takeaways yourself, just in general, about this draft? Yeah, well, I also had a little mini stack of Jets, which people mock, but like Bilal Powell in round six, like Powell was like the best PPR back in football besides David Johnson for like an eight-week period, or besides him and Bell. And uh, I know Matt Forte will still probably be around. Guys like Forte, it's hard to kill them off. But he's going to get a lot of dink and dunks. It's not like you have to be a good team to throw short passes to your running backs. And then Quincy Inunua is going to be clearly the number one receiver there. He's got size and speed. I don't know. I, I felt like I got him in like the eighth or ninth or something. I, I like my Jets, too. So it's a weird thing to have Jets and Dolphins. But I like the squad. I think I got the guys I wanted. A lot of people were saying John Brown in the fifth was a reach. But I, I just he's one of my sleepers this year. I just think John Brown was not healthy last year. When he was healthy, he was like a 1,000-yard, eight-touchdown type of guy with Michael Floyd there getting 100 targets. Yeah. Michael Floyd is gone. Larry Fitzgerald is 34 years old. They don't have a tight end to speak of. They do have David Johnson who will catch a lot of balls, but you got David Johnson, Fitzgerald, and Brown. That's it. J.J. Nelson is 150 pounds. He will stretch the field, but he's not going to get, you know, 100 targets. There's no way. So, I mean, Brown is the guy, and 
If he does, if he goes back to the trajectory he was on, you know, he may be a top ten receiver. I totally agree. Um, I do worry slightly that Carson Palmer may break down. That could, be, could become a disaster, but um, he he still throw deep and all the things you mentioned. Fitzgerald is is getting up there, and no Floyd, uh, no tight end really. So I I think. He's a name I was actually going to bring up as far as upside. It's interesting that you people criticized getting him there when, you know, I mean, the same round, uh, Tevin Coleman, Jamison Crowder, Brandon Marshall are going. So I, that I, I'm totally fine. Robert Kelly is going. So I'm totally on board with that pick. Kevin White, however, is a bum, I think. But it's not like you took an early pick on him. But in the 10th round, I don't know. Kevin White, I don't know. You're a bum, man. Thank you. Thank you. You said you're going to be nice to me. That is. That's nice. That's the 25%. That's, I mean, Kevin White is Kevin White is Julio Jones physically. I mean, he's physically he's there's like there's like three guys in the league as physical as physically gifted as Kevin White. And he's been hurt the first two years. I mean, Cameron Meredith is just some was he even drafted? Isn't he an undrafted free agent, Meredith? I think he's undrafted, I think. So you got Cameron Meredith having like five good games last year, okay, with a different QB, and everyone's like, oh, Cameron Meredith, he's going to be awesome. Dudes like Marcus Wheaton, uh, Kendall Wrong, a bunch of guys that they brought in. Like Kevin White is going to get a chance to be the number one receiver there. Maybe he can't. Maybe he's terrible. But if he gets it, if the light bulb goes on and he's healthy, I mean, this, this is a physical freak. He, he's even more of a freak, I think, than uh, Devontae Parker. That's interesting. All right. We'll see. I'll, I might have to think of a prop with Kevin White. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do this. You take a, a receiver drafted in that round. And if and, and if that receiver is a top ten receiver at the end of the year, I'll pay you a hundred. And if Kevin White is a top ten receiver, you pay me a hundred. All right, I'll have to take. I don't love anyone in that round. So well, yeah, it's like what what round did I get him? Like the tenth round or something? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The thing All is, right. Kevin White may be a bust, and I'll cut him. But I mean, how many receivers? He's six three two sixteen. And runs. I want to see if we have his forty time here. It's not written down. Let me, let me look it up. He, he runs like a four, four three five forty. All right. I don't even really like this guy particularly, but I kind of am a believer in Cousins. I'll, I'll do it with versus Josh Doxson. Okay, Doxson versus White. It only matters that they're top ten. If they're eleventh, right. I don't care. I'm not saying White's going to finish ahead of Doxson. I'm just saying. I got what you're saying. I know exactly. I what you're drafted saying. him for one reason only that there's upside. So okay, hundred bucks. Doxson White top ten pays. Yeah. Okay. Now, if they're both top ten, if they're both top ten, then it'll be whoever does more in a standard in a regular PPR. That'd be pretty sick. That'd be pretty sick if they both are. Um, (laughs) So unlikely that they both are. Yes. So unlikely. Um, Okay. Enough with that. Enough about your team. Had uh, one baseball question for you. Um, So Clayton Kershaw, I don't know if you've noticed, but has given up ten homers over his last five starts. Already has a career high seventeen. Um, what, what do you what do you make of that? Is it uh, is that too ball small? Ball is to juiced. Say? Ball is juiced. Ball is just flat the out. Ball juiced. is so juiced, and the commissioner is either a lying sack, or he's technically telling the truth, but he's actually lying. Like there, he's like, well, we've tested it, and the balls are the same, and maybe they're the same weight or the same this or the same that. You know, whatever the bullshit test they did, but the ball is juiced. I mean, the ball is obviously juiced. It's, I yep. mean, it just is. The, the, everybody's allowing home runs. I mean, Kershaw has now allowed, as you said, 17 home runs so far in 100 innings. You know, last year he allowed eight in 149 innings, 15 in 232 innings two years ago. 
nine and 198 innings three years ago, 11 and 236 innings. I mean, it's not random that every single guy is allowing home runs. So you'd take him no brainer still over Scherzer and Sale right now if you were in a draft. Yeah, I would still take him more. I mean, you okay. know, Scherzer and Sale are really good. I mean, they've all been kind of equal so far. Um, one thing, as I keep pointing out, is Kershaw two of his starts were in cores, yep. although he yep. fared okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I would. It, it's not as crazy of a slam dunk as it has been in years past, but I would say, who would you t- would you take him over Scherzer and Sale? Yeah, I still would as well. It's close. It is. It's definitely closer than before the season. Obviously, Scherzer's proven healthy and dominant, and Sale's move to Fenway hasn't mattered. Um, but yeah, I, I still would personally. It is very close. It's weird. Is his uh, fly ball percentage is actually down, but he's not quite missing as many bats. So I guess the more balls in play are going over. But Kershaw's, I think, I mean, of course he's going to be fine, but that's just such an anomaly. I felt like bringing it up. I mean, already a career high and, and 10 in the last five starts. I mean, that is, that's pretty crazy, but I'm with you. I'd, I'd still slightly lean, but it's it, the gap is, is definitely uh, lessened. Right. Scherzer has only given up 12 home runs. Last year, he gave up 31. Um, so he's kind of kept, I mean, some of it's a little noisy. Johnny Cueto in the best pitchers park in baseball. Yeah. Used to not give up home runs. He in 10 fewer innings than Kershaw has 17 home runs allowed despite pitching in that park. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Last year he allowed 15 all year in 220 innings. Speaking of the giants, can you, uh, guess, uh, Jeff Samarja, who was a ninth inning homer by Pence. Uh, I think it was yesterday away from being the first pitcher in baseball to lose 10 games this season guess his k to walk ratio over the last 10 games i'm gonna say 75 to 2 wow it's incredibly close yeah it's 77 to 3 that's wow that's 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 good list yeah i just i didn't you know i knew it was absurd and i just figured okay well how many innings per start what's the strikeout rate i mean he's kind of like the pineda of the national league right he's just the this year his strikeout to walk is 112 to 13, yet he has a 4.74 ERA. Yeah, we're in that park too. I mean, that's that's yeah. Maybe maybe he needs to throw a few more balls out of the strike zone. Of course, he's really of course. Trying. Yeah, he's getting yeah. crushed. But I mean, the, it's the, it's a little. I'm a little annoyed because I feel like I did a lot of prep this year and I <laughs> I drafted well, but you look at you know Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo and and Scott Shebler and. Logan Morrison and all these guys, Justin Smoke, who are leading the majors in home runs. And I just think it's largely because of the juiced ball. And there was, we knew the home runs were up last year and we needed to price that in somehow, but it's, it's like they changed the, they changed the thing on us. They changed the format on us a little bit. And I guess part of being a smart owner is to be adaptable and to be not so sure that they won't change it. You know, what's the evidence that they're changing it? How do I get on that quickly? Um, but I feel like they kind of pulled the rug out from under you. And if you don't get a few of those guys, um, you're in big trouble. Like You need a few of those guys because th- those are the home run leaders. I drafted Miguel Cabrera, Chris Davis, the C, Will Myers, and like some friends and family. I wasn't looking to pick up smoke. I had three first basemen that I knew I was going to use all year. So I, was like, I wasn't like jumping on smoke and some of these guys, and it's killed me. I mean, I'm last in home runs. I'm still going to beat you and take your money, but... It is, you know, you just can't, you, you can't get ahead without having at least two of those guys. Yeah, I, I'm currently ahead of you in the standings by six and a half points for the listeners to uh, just, I'm, just I'm 100, to get... 100 innings below, by the way. Boy, that's going to hurt your ear and whip trying to catch up. 
<laughs> you can look at it that way, but you can also look at it, the strikeouts and wins. I went to skyrocket. I'm not even doing that badly in those categories with the deficit. Well, of course, because you're only using the best. You're, I mean, you're going to have to pick up guys up the waiver wire. That's. Well, I mean, it's, I guess it's, you're, you're going to do the September thing where they yes. face triple lineups is what you're going to do. And yeah. I'm going to have to try to block you is what's going to have to happen. You better try because it's your only hope to save that money. Yeah. All right. Well. I won enough off you this past year, as is. Um, you, yeah, you, uh, did, you did luck into enough of my money that, yeah, you shouldn't worry about it too much. All right. Um, did you, uh, did you, no spoilers, um, but did you watch the Better Call Saul finale? I did not yet. I'm going to, maybe tonight, actually. All right. It's pretty, um, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. <laughs> Check it out. Let me know what you think. All right. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. You got anything, you got anything for me, politically or otherwise? Are you tired or what's the deal? Um, did we, we haven't been on. I, I went to Africa, dude. I've been to New York. I've been to uh, Marrakesh. You didn't, did oh, we nice. talk about that? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a crazy-ass place. And the first day I got there, I was like, Ugh, I don't like it here. Let's get out of here. You get there, and you're walking down the street. We're in the old Medina, like the inside of the city walls, which is like thousands of years old. Thousand years old. I don't know how old it is exactly. And... It is just so crowded with shops and people and tourists. And there's not like a grid, like streets. You get lost so easily because it's just streets and alleys turn off from every direction. And it's not like there's some grid that like you could find your way back. And then like you're walking and the street's like maybe 15 feet wide. And there's people walking by you and suddenly a horse goes by you and suddenly a donkey goes by you. Suddenly a dude zips by in a motorcycle with three people on it at like 30 miles an hour almost knocking your leg over. Some a bicycle goes by, a cart, a dude pulling a giant cart of vegetables. I mean, it is the craziest shit. It is like there's a, anything could walk by that street. Like you would have, you would never know. And I got Sasha, and I'm trying to like pull her over, and it's like stressful because there's so much shit coming at you. People are trying to sell you shit every second, trying to help give you directions that you don't want, and like then get money. And so the first day, I was like, this sucks. Like I, it's cool that we saw this, but let's get the fuck out of here. But like by the third day, I was like, I wish we were staying longer. Like it is a cool ass place. You're going through some old, decrepit alleyway with like a dead cat rotting in the corner, and in this old wall, there'll be some really Sounds beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> and I know it's your type of place. And then in the middle of like the, there'll be this you know kind of decrepit old wall. There'll be this beautiful wooden door with a huge handle on it, and you'll take your key and you'll turn it or you'll knock or you'll somebody you know you have an appointment to be there and they'll open and inside you're in this oasis of like amazing sofas and lamps and tables and trees and water and a pool and you know really good food food there was equal to san sebastian it was one of the two best places we went in our entire travels here food wise the food was amazing in morocco and it was just really cool it was i have to say it was like it was like a really crazy uh, place but um the people were very nice i mean they were they're very aggressive in the street markets but if you just get used to them and like right. you know they'll give you directions they're very nice and uh it's just a trip it was it was well worth it that's cool um uh was there any kind of like crazy food you ate or just just good in general of the normal fare yeah you know we had goat testicles every morning and well, uh, no i'm just goat kidding no, I'm, goat just, I'm just joking uh that, um, that's just a joke um no we, we ate, it was just like you know we went to actually a uh, restaurant outside the walls, like in the newer city. Newer city isn't like that is interesting. But um, this restaurant, I, I, I got to remember the name. Anyway, it was honestly some of the, one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. It was so good. And it was like 75, 750 DROMs, which is like 75 euros for the three of us. And it was some of the nice. best food I've ever had. 
Nice. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah. All right, Liz. Uh, good to be back. All right, man. Yeah. Uh, again, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. And uh, appreciate you doing the podcast. And, uh, yeah, feel better. And uh, we will uh, reconvene next week. Thanks. I appreciate it. Later, Liz. All right. It's Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports, the East Coast Offense Podcast.